Beloved, today we're going to look at the distinctiveness in the body of Messiah. One group, one body with distinctive roles. We already know about different races and creeds, but specifically it's important for us now as Israel awakens that we allow the Father to restore the distinctiveness of Israel because the Jewish people have a role to play to be a light back to their own people. And so it's important for Jews not necessarily, listen, when we believe in Jesus, we become a follower of Messiah, a follower of Christ. No doubt about that. Jew and Gentile cross over from the curse of the Lord to believe in Yeshua. He paid the price for us. But it is as Israel awakens, there is a definite need for us to recognize the distinctive roles within the unity of the one you man, the love and the unity of the one you man. And, and here, beloved, because the church has been in the hands of of the Gentile side of the family for over 2,000 years, there is a great misunderstanding when it comes to uh, understanding the messianic side of the family. As small as it is, it is so significant for us to get around the remnant of Israel, encourage them, bless them, help to strengthen them, because their well-being is a pathway and an opening of the door to salvation to the rest of Israel. Hallelujah. Although Yeshua broke down the wall and the dividing partition to make us one in the Spirit, remember, beloved, we are equal now in the Spirit, Jew and Gentile. There's no difference between us in the Spirit. And it's really important for us, especially on the Gentile side of the family, as Israel awakens to be more secure and confident in who we are as believers, not necessarily to become like the Jews or even to become Jewish, but yet to operate in love and unity and allow the Jewish side of the branches to develop and flourish and strengthen. Does that make sense? And of course, this did not eliminate the distinctive calls and roles from within the unity between Jew and Gentile in the church. And of course, while the church is still in Jerusalem in the first century, we see this clearly in operation. We see uh, the Jewish believers um, moving and associating to Torah and their, their, their heritage and their Jewish roots to be a light to their people and to win Israel to faith. And let's remember that there were thousands and thousands and thousands of Jews that came to Yeshua after the Holy Spirit was released. And um, they founded the church. And it's clear to us from the book of Acts, especially Acts 21, and even when Paul is in Rome at the end of Acts, and he, he says, I've never broken away from the traditions of our fathers. Um, of course, 
the disciples, the Jewish disciples, and all those that believed in Yeshua understood that that they that Yeshua had paid the price, that the resurrection, the, the cross and the resurrection were now key to open the door to the new covenant. But that does not negate the fact for Jewish people to live Jewish lives in the spirit to be like to be lights to their own people. And I'm not religious about this, beloved, but I tell you, you know, I uh, kind of, you know, when I'm with Jews, I uh, around Jewish people, I'm I'm very focused on, you know, the way that Jewish people live, the Jewish calendar, the Jewish holidays. Um, and I want to make clear to them, or at least for them to have the opportunity to understand that Yeshua, Jesus, is the Messiah. And really, the only true path of Judaism is through Mashiach, through Christ. Hallelujah. This is both a right and a liberty that Jewish believers have to be connected to their heritage in a way that may be different from God's children from the nations, who obviously were not given the same requirement, but still, and this is key, but still operated in love and unity in the one you man. And the same is true today for Jewish believers to help bring life back to their own people, to lead them to faith. Hallelujah. Now, Messianic Jews that associate to their Jewish roots and heritage always need to be careful because... Um, uh, liturgy, uh, the um, you know, um, identity can become an issue, even unto idolatry, and um, the key in the new covenant is always, I believe, to put the Holy Spirit first and how He leads us and how He uh, just brings life into the things that we do. Um, and there's a caution here. Uh, for the messianic side of the family and and many unfortunately in over the 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 past 20 or 30 years have got caught up in this not so much in in israel in the land but in the in the nations and especially in america jewish believers have held a little bit too much to their identity i think out of even out of insecurity and of course we talk about this at, at length in the romans 911 project teachings and through the videos because Messianic Jews have really suffered a, a great deal of rejection. You know, when when the church was first, uh, uh, when the uh, sorry, not the church, but when the Messianic movement um, came to life uh, uh, in 1967, after Jerusalem, after Israel took back sovereignty of Jerusalem, there was a move in the spirit, and the Messianic move uh, 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 movement began. And many of these young Jewish believers went back to their churches, who um, and and to their pastors and their leadership, and and said, "Hey, I'm Jewish. I I need to connect with my Jewish roots." No, no, you can't do that stuff anymore. There's no Jew Gentile. So they had rejection from the church and misunderstanding from the church, not really understanding the awakening of Israel 
and the pathway to Israel's restoration. And then they went back to their own people and they said, hey, hey, I found, I found Yeshua. I found the Jewish Messiah. No, 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 you're not Jewish anymore. And so uh, a great deal of the messianic body has grown up with uh, rejection around it. And not only that, but Jewish people generally have had huge rejection around them, just being associated and connecting to God, to the God of Israel for, for thousands of years. So, so there's a, a weakness in the messianic side of the movement, especially in, 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 in the American part of the body that tends to hold too much to identity. And when we do that, legalism can creep in. And that can quench the Holy Spirit. So we really need to pray, understand that is an issue. And, and there are great, uh, many Messianic believers already understand this and are, are, are doing their best to, to put the Holy Spirit first in everything that they do. And, and I've, I've personally witnessed a great change in the Messianic movement uh, in that area. But there are still many in the messianic side of the family that do get caught up with identity. And this is a, a, an issue, beloved. We really need to pray for, for the messianic side of the family to get freer in this place. Um, you know, I think, you know, generally um, the children from the nations moving in healthy uh, environments have a strong a good connection to the Holy Spirit and can really help, um, really help the messianic side of the family move in a, a, a greater connection in this area, just like actually the messianic side of the family can really help us to gain a deeper understanding of the fear of the Lord and the connection to the Father. Remember, Yeshua is our brother and our friend, but, but our Father is also a consuming fire. God is holy. And uh, there's a deeper understanding. I, I Again, I can come to you. I, I'm, I'm a bridge, right, from both sides. And I can honestly share with you that Messianics have a stronger understanding of the fear of the Lord and relational uh, ships to the Father than sometimes most of the uh, the, the church does with his children from the nations. Beloved, we, we need to glean from each other. We need to come together as a body. Um, and that's particularly what this podcast is about today. The Apostle Paul draws out this distinction in his epistle. Let's do that again. Kirk. I'm going to go from in his epistle. So it starts the Apostle Paul, and then it goes to in his epistle. Let me just do the whole thing again. The Apostle Paul draws out this distinction in his epistle to the Galatian church when teaching on this unity by using the analogy of a man and a woman. You know, he says there's no Jew or Gentile, male or female, slave or free. Well, we know okay, that there are great differences between male and female, and yet God has called us into a oneness. And there's a beautiful picture here um, of the oneness of a man and a woman that, that can connect in parts to the oneness of Jew and Gentile coming together because they're different parts making up the whole. 
And although we might be, um, although we are one in the spirit through Mashiach, we still perform different roles from within this unity. And it's interesting because Jewish believers are actually called to be a light to the nations. And Gentile believers have been given edicts to be light back to Israel. Isn't that interesting? You know, isn't it interesting that Jonah was a Jew called to the Gentiles? Now the father is calling the Gentiles back to the Jews to fulfill the edicts that have been given to the God's children from the nations to help bring about Israel's fullness, to help bring about the resurrection. What will their fullness be? But but reconciliation. Kurt, let's do that again. What will their fullness bring? I'm going to go, Kurt, from um, while we are one in the spirit. So this is after, um, by using the analogy of a man and woman, I'll give you the notes. <clears throat> Beloved, while we are one in the spirit through Mashiach, through Christ, it's evident that we still perform different roles from within this unity. No, cut. Sorry. I scrapped this. I'm going to start again. I'm just going to pick up from the scripture quote. So how much greater riches will their fullness bring? And what will their acceptance be from life, but life from the dead? Beloved, that's what we're talking about here as we begin to shift and understand that this is not just about blessing Israel and not just about Israel uh, falling in line with our uh, end time beliefs. It is about us getting into the trenches to begin to see Israel saved, to begin to enter into a place of intercession, to begin to stand on the walls of Jerusalem and give the Father no rest until he makes her a praise in all of the earth. There are roles for us to play here, roles for us to fulfill in this end-time church in order for the fullness to come. And beloved, one can't happen without the other, but it's not just about taking the gospel to the nations. Yes, we take the gospel to the nations, but the principle of the gospel, the kingdom principle, is to the Jew first. And when you look at the church as a whole, we're just expecting God to to deal with Israel on his own. And when does he ever do anything in the earth without using his body? So there are things for us to begin to recognize. There's a much deeper place of understanding to know how to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And that's why God has given us the Romans 911 Project study guide and the video teachings. And beloved, yes, it will take time. It's not a quick fix. It will take time to renew your thinking, to begin to see this more from a reconnected place than from a place of separation um, that has gone on for 1,700 years since Rome broke away from her Jewish roots and heritage. The Apostle Paul never taught us 
to eliminate these distinctions. In fact, he upheld them and earnestly sought the blessing and well-being of the Jerusalem church. The remnant of Israel is how Romans 11, 1 through 5, talks about Jewish believers. And we're going to get into that in the next couple of podcasts. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In fact, if you look in scripture, Paul never asked for funds or money for himself, but he did for the Jerusalem church because he understood the significance of its existence, its well-being, um, and its prosperity. And beloved, this is something we need to recognize now because it, you know, I, I've done this great teaching on the, um, on, on the pearl and the chip. And, you know, when you think of the end time harvest, it's, it's, it's vast, it's billions of souls. And yet this focus on Israel is exactly the opposite. It's this tiny little focus of, of just a, a few million people compared to the billions of souls that are going to come in. Yet a shift is now required to reestablish the gospel back to the Jew first. And as we align ourselves with the plans of God during this day to restore his firstborn to the family, what's the result? It is the outflow of the of the harvest of the gospel to to the for the end time harvest. We've got to begin to recognize that and begin to allow the shift. And it's not about us being Jewish. It's it's actually we need to be stronger in our identity and more confident in our identity. It it's about us connecting and loving and strengthening one another. It's about the fullness of Yeshua's prayer in John 17. It's about the divisions and separations in the body coming down and, and allowing the Lord to restore love and unity so that he can actually send the fullness of glory upon us. So we now need to do the same as Paul did to the Jewish people to come around them to strengthen them, to pray for them, and to encourage them. Beloved, the Jewish people are a covenant people. God has made promises. His promises to them are irrevocable. And we are called to live in this time this end time before Mashiach returns to us, before Yeshua comes, and there is a great role for us to play out, but also to encourage and sow into the salvation of Israel. And that as we do, as we realign how we position ourselves in the church, not just in, in our evangelism, but also in the way we pray and the way we move, um, first fruiting uh, to the, uh, the, the firstborn believers, helping to strengthen them, um, sending prayer missions into the land, beginning to recognize that the body in the land, both Jewish and Arab believers, are on the front lines of the church, and that land is in great need of greater worship and intercession to begin to clear the skies for the Father, 
to release his fire and awakening upon them. And that's why our renewed focus on Israel's spiritual awakening is the golden key that helps to open the door to the end time revival. Beloved, has the church been looking in the wrong place for this? It, it cannot come with just a focus on the nations. It must come with a focus on God's family, to the Jew first and then to the Greek. This is the order of Scripture. And now Israel's awakening. We must begin to align with it. The unity of the Father and the Son and the unity of the Jew and Gentile and the unity with all races and creeds is this beautiful one new man that the Lord established that he wants to restore. He established at the cross. In a sense, we need to, um, we need to, uh, let's do that again, in a sense. In a sense, we need to restore the former glory for the future glory. So opening up to the messianic perspective is also crucial to this equation. But it's not just about feasts and biblical calendars. That's, that's a, a byproduct. It's a hard equation of love and unity between one another and allowing the remnant of Israel to be reestablished in love and unity, but also in the governance of the church. And this is going to require adjustments and change for many of us in the body as we move into this time. This renewed union between us with its heart's cry will actually make the family of God complete. It will make Israel complete. It will make the church complete. A bride readied for his coming. So, beloved, we're going to take a deeper look in the next two or three podcasts, um, actually at Romans 11, because there are uh, paths for Israel that the uh, Lord has laid out for us to understand through, through Paul's writings um, at, that will, I think, really help us to gain a deeper understanding of exactly where the Jewish people are now and where they need to be and how we can help them get there. So until that time, beloved, may the God of Israel richly bless you. Lots of love in Yeshua.